welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Nerd Party News, the show on the Nerd Party where we talk about the news. I'm Mike. I'm Lance. And today we're going to be talking about what little news there is, although there is some fairly big news which just dropped mere minutes ago, our time. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, I think the thing that everyone has kind of been, I, I don't know, preoccupied with over the past few days is not news, but actual movies which have come out yes. uh, this week. Uh, two in particular, I would say, on mm-hmm. the good old streaming services. One in theaters as well. Uh, the first of those movies is Soul, yeah. the, the new Pixar movie. Now, uh, this is one which was supposed to come out over the summer, and they pushed it back and then announced that it was going to come straight to Disney+. Plus. And, uh, yeah, it stars Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. as a jazz pianist and uh, music educator music educator who is about to get his big break mm-hmm. when he I guess I mean he doesn't really die he just kind of goes into limbo he's- yeah he goes into limbo like so like because we find out you know he's he didn't really die it's like he's he he's close to death I should say yeah we follow him and and another um pre-soul, I don't know what, what I forget what they're called, yeah. um, who, who are on a journey to find him, his body, find himself, find, mm-hmm. find everything. And, and he learns some lessons along the way, as you do in a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. And in good movies in general. <laughs> in good movies in general, yeah. So uh, what did you think about Soul? I love Soul. You know, not just because, like, it's, Pixar knocking it out of par- out of the park yet again. Um, it's like I, I swear their batting average is like a thousand, and it's not just that like it was a good story. Like I think it had a good message, and you know it raises a lot of very interesting questions. Um, you know about purpose, like in the like in, in the pur- purpose in the meaning of your life, uh, whether to not like use the, your purpose as your life. Um, you know questions. You know what. What is living? What is life? The, all these like, you know, big questions that you can put in these things. And they do it in a very creative way, as they always do. And they tell very emotional and thought provoking type of stories all the time. And for me, also, this movie hit extra hard because I am somebody that taught middle school band in their career. So yeah. that opening the opening two minutes I felt that really, really hard. So like the whole Mr. G, I forgot my saxophone. Like I have, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Like a, a student say to me, I forgot fill in the blank instrument. I've, I've heard it from every person that has played whatever instrument they have forgotten it. Somebody has forgotten it. And I've, I've, I've felt that um, when they're, when they're playing and they're trying to play and like, it does not sound super great because they're little kids just learning and he's just kind of making those faces as he's as he's conducting and shouting out instructions like I've lived that life. I know exactly what it <laughs> feels like to be that guy in that moment. And um, and then like, you know, the spark that happens when you hear one of your students who like is fully into it and really is like and is like practices all the time, and just really loves it. And like you hear them go off and like the goodness that it that it makes you feel like I felt that, too. Like, you know, when his like his star pupil who also plays the trombone, mm-hmm. I was just like, this is amazing. This is like all my things here. Um so yeah, I loved it. And special shout out to the movie because all of the the slide positions, uh the animations on that were 100% correct. They like the slide positions matched the notes that they were playing. Same thing with the saxophone, same thing with the piano. It was just like well done. Yeah, I love that. And I was like thinking about that as as I was watching it, you know, I'm like this has got to be accurate, right? I mean, it's yes. got to be. And I you know, I I love that. I think, you know, everybody whenever they see a movie which uh, portrays their profession, you know, there's always this sort of thinking of like, did they get it right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of do a whole podcast on that with like film projection and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, there's just something about it where like when they do get it right, it's so rare 
that movies uh-huh. actually do get it right, whatever it is, that when they do, it's just like, good job. Thanks for, for taking that extra effort, you know? Exactly, yeah. Especially, like, for me as a trombone player, because most of the time when I see trombone in media, like, people are holding it wrong, and the p- slide positions do not match the sounds that are coming out of the, the instrument, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, in you know, it's kind of played for a laugh. They play it for a laugh here, but it's it's with kids, so it's different. Yeah. Uh, but, like, they play it for a laugh with adults, and it's annoying. <laughs> so, um, and at least they showcase, like, you know, trombone being awesome with, with uh, you know, his student mm-hmm. who, like, really knows how to play. So it's just like, well done. Like, I, I appreciate that yeah yeah that was really cool that opening uh logo right Mm -hmm. where they they play the disney you know theme song you know with but they must have gotten just like a regular like junior high band to do that here's here's what happened this is what likely happened they probably put that music in front of like a junior high band a middle school band Uh and for the first time it had them sight read it and so like the and so sight reading for those that don't know is like when you see a piece of music for the first time and just try to play it pros can do it you know well i've had gigs where like i don't have the music before and i just sight read Mm -hmm. but like with little kids who are just knowing how to play it's a a utter disaster (laughs) and you're lucky for gonna for the most part if you get things like you know to sound halfway decent. And that's probably likely what happened. They did that to for effect or they yeah. had pros like pretend like they were playing with bad tone. But in either case, I've been there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so again, like I felt that like if I had to like pass that out to like my sixth grade beginners, right. And I passed out that Pixar theme and it was like, all right, one, two, ready, go. And they have no idea what they're doing. That's what it would have sounded like. And that was, yeah. I thought that was brilliant. It, it seems like for authenticity, it would, I mean, I, just thinking about it, it seems like it, they would be better off just giving it to kids instead of having mm-hmm. like professionals try to do it badly, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Because they because they would end up making it sound too good is the problem. Uh, yeah, or or they would all like overcompensate and make it so bad that it would be like something, you know? I don't. Yes. Know. <laughs> but I, I thought that really worked for me and really kind of like set the tone for the movie. I thought. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it looked amazing. You know, I mean, I don't know, like full disclosure, I'm not a huge Pixar fan, I have mm-hmm. to say. I've seen I, more than half of their movies and I usually think like, well, that was good, you know, but mm-hmm. there are very few which have like blown me away, you know, like okay. Incredibles, I would say is probably at the top. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this one I, I think is, I mean... It may be their best. I, I don't know. It's it's it, up there. It's up there with Incredibles for sure. You know, I mean, and, and everyone talks about, you know, coming out. I mean, I, I, I would see it when I was working at, you know, movie theaters. You'd see people coming out of Pixar movies with like, you know, tears streaming down their face and everything. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually like felt that watching a Pixar movie. But this time I was like, you know, starting to get a little misty because, you yeah. know, the, the ending really does you know, pack a punch. It does. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that this is right up there with, with their best work, you know, I, I, I agree. And, 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 you know, and, you know, definitely for me, the personal connection to it definitely helps. Cause like, mm-hmm. again, like, as I said, I've been Mr. G. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I, like, I 100% identify with a lot of the things he was going through in the, in the, in that film, but uh, no, it was just, it was just well done all around. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to them. Yeah, and, you know, I I always feel the need to point this out just because whatever, but, uh, you know, it was co-written and co-directed by uh, a guy named Kemp Powers, who he's done a lot of stuff, like in a lot of different media, but as far as, like, screen credits are concerned, Mm -hmm. up until yesterday, his only other credit was he wrote, well, he was on the writing staff of uh, Star Trek Discovery in season Mm. one. He wrote uh, the episode Choose Your Pain, which uh, is the episode which introduced the F-bomb to Star Trek. So, you know, he's got a special place in my heart. But, you know, back before he was writing for the screen, he was a playwright as well as, you know, a journalist. I mean, he's done tons and tons of stuff. And, you know, one of his plays was One Night in Miami, which is another movie which came out in theaters on Friday and it's going to be available on prime in a couple of weeks, I think January 13th. And I, I was lucky enough to see it as part of like a film festival a few months back. And it's even better than soul. Uh, it's, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. I mean, the, the premise is, um, the, okay. 
the night that Muhammad Ali won the title. Which uh, time? At the first time. Okay. I think. Um, so after after the the match, he went back to I think it was his hotel room with Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cook. Mm-hmm. And the four of them just hung out in a hotel room. That's awesome. And like nobody knows what happens. You know, like what the play does is it essentially imagines like what what were these guys talking about because mm-hmm. i mean you know four of the most influential people in the world at that time and it was like a time when all of them were at like a specific turning point in their yes. lives for one reason or another and it's just that i mean the 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 movie expands on it a bit more there's some before stuff and some you know whatever but okay. it's essentially just these four guys in a room talking for you know like an hour and a half and it's awesome you know it's going to probably get nominated for best picture and everything i mean this guy could you know win best original screenplay for for soul and adapted screenplay for one night in miami like i was just looking like crazy He's got two movies, his first two movies ever come out on the same day and they're both at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's like, it's insane. I, I just, That's I don't know. And, and, you know, the only reason why I was like following this guy is because he got his start on Star Trek, you know? And yeah. It's just so cool. And now he's like doing a, I guess he's going to do like an animated movie with Lord and Miller and stuff like that. So okay. it's just, I don't know. It's cool. But definitely... Check out Soul and also check out One Night in Miami in a couple of weeks when it's yeah. when it's released. So Okay, cool. Will do. So there was another movie that was released on Friday. And the, I mean there were a lot I mean, I'm still behind. Like I did I haven't seen the new Robert Rodriguez movie, We Can Be Heroes, like that. Yeah. That, that came out. I haven't watched the new George Clooney movie, Midnight mm-hmm. Sky. You know, I'm I'm behind. But I did see WW eighty four. I did too. Um, so yeah, a lot of people have been talking about this. There's a lot That's of correct. a lot of opinions uh, you know, about this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like when when the first reviews started coming out, the first few that I saw were something along the lines of WW84 is the perfect movie for mm-hmm. our time. It is exactly what we needed right now in order to escape reality. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, no, it's going to suck. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it came out. And I watched it, and you watched it. So what did you think about it? Yeah, I didn't like it. I thought I was was incredibly disappointed because I, I love the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, absolutely love it. It's my favorite uh, of the DCEU catalog. I think it's the best thing that they did. I think she's the best thing that has come out of the DCEU. Uh, Wonder Woman is and uh, Gal Gadot's portrayal of her. She was the best part of BBS, which I which I hate. Um, and and so I loved her first film. I was like, I'm like on the Wonder Woman train, wanting this movie to be successful. Couldn't wait for it. You know, been waiting three years for this movie. Comes out. And I was super disappointed because the movie is kind of a mess. Yeah, I agree that the movie is kind of a mess. I, I would say on the whole, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I thought like it was a huge step down, but but I still thought it was, you know, pretty good. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I dislike it. Yeah. Um, I'd still say it's a, it's a decent movie, but certainly not nearly as good as the first one. Oh, nowhere close. And, you know, towards the the middle of the pack uh, of the, the DCEU movies, I, I haven't gone through and ranked them. I don't know. It's, no, I, I went ahead and did. It's, <laughs> okay. It is only, for me, it's only above Justice League and Suicide Squad because <laughs> everything's better than Suicide Squad, in my opinion. Okay. And, so but so yeah, what, what, what are your rankings? And I'll, and I'll do mine it, real quick, too. Okay, hold on. Let me let me pull them up. So okay. for my DCEU list, I have Wonder Woman first, then Aquaman, Birds of Prey, Shazam, Man of Steel, BVS, Wonder Woman 84, 
Justice League and Suicide Squad. Okay, okay. So here here are my rankings then. Um, I know I know this will probably cause some controversy, whatever. <laughs> so number one by far is Birds of Prey. Okay. Uh, number two would probably be Man of Steel. Um, number three would probably be Batman versus Superman. Okay. And then number four is Wonder Woman. And then number five, this is where we get into some really weird territory because like Suicide Squad, while I acknowledge that it's a really bad movie, I think it is very fun to watch. Okay. So I would put that at number five, followed by Shazam, which I think is a good movie, but, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I couldn't really care less about it. Then WW84, Aquaman, and then Justice League would be... At number the bottom, nine. yeah. Okay, maybe maybe switch Justice League and Aquaman there. <laughs> but but we've got the new Justice League coming up. Well, apparently, mm-hmm. I don't know. I read somewhere it was March twenty fifth. Okay. I don't know if that's confirmed or whatever, but just three months away. So yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah, and as was revealed mere minutes ago from when we were recording this. Wonder Woman 3 is on the way. <laughs> well, I guess it kind of has to be to wash the taste of this one out of our mouth cuz it's yeah, they got to redeem this one. They got to they at this point they they need a Wonder Woman Ragnarok uh <laughs> to 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 combat the 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 Thor the Dark World that is Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, now I mean with with 84 I, I think the premise is just kind of faulty, right? The, yes. the the idea that the entire thing like hinges on people's wishes, right? Mm-hmm. But then they do some weird stuff with what that means on a, I don't know, philosophical level as well, and everything. It's mm-hmm. it's just kind of a mess. And also, I mean, like those trailers like killed, and you know, you you, you see like. Yeah. Like eighty four, like you put that right in the title. Like this movie mm-hmm. takes place in nineteen eighty four, and you're like, oh yeah, it's on. This is going to be great, and yet yep. it didn't lean into anything that would have made that great. You know, yeah. they they did not take advantage of that at all. They Agreed, treated yeah. it as just like this foreign land. You know, yeah, like it's like the way after watching it, this movie didn't need to take place in nineteen eighty four. It could have been any time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at like Captain Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. And and the way that that was set in like the mid '90s, and they had all the music and everything. Yeah, you know, she crashes into a blockbuster, like everything. Mm-hmm. It's like all these touchstones. This had none of that, and that that's was correct. Just, I think while that's not like a you know a necessary component, I think that it does speak to like the failing of this movie in general, which is that it wasn't really fun at all. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I don't know. S- some interesting choices. Uh, now, I-, I do have to ask here, what did you think about um, Max Lord in this movie? It's I don't know. Like, it's... It, I don't necessarily want to say he was kind of a throwaway villain, but it's like... I didn't necessarily understand his motivation, and then, like, I didn't understand, like, what he should have lost, and, like, because... You would think that, like he, you know, spoilers would have lost his son in 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 return for gaining the power that he got because mm-hmm. he was like you should you should have gotten you know lost the one thing that you know the trade off was like you lose something that's a big part of yourself uh, to gain your wish and so he didn't lose his son so he just he lost his health so he valued his health over <laughs> his son that didn't make any sense and then like he got no he got no comeuppance at the end neither of the villains did at the end. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I guess spoilers for Wonder Woman, you know, whatever. But, you know, he did get, I guess, redemption. And uh, that that seems to be, like I was reading this article today about how that's kind of consistent with what they do with the character in Justice League International when he was first introduced, you know, in mm-hmm. the 80s, which is he was like the bad guy, right, to start. And then yeah. he basically reformed and... You know, was was a good guy from well, not there on out. He did, yeah, because <laughs> well, because also spoilers for comic books. Wonder Woman snaps his neck, like you know, <laughs> Superman style. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yes, well, in the comic cool. books. Okay. Uh, my thinking with it more than anything, and as soon as I saw him in the trailer, I was like, oh, please, please, like you're setting it up so that 
there's a Maxwell Lord character in the 80s. Like, there's a next logical step there, right? Mm-hmm. To do the thing which everybody should do or, or which everybody should want, which which would be like, I don't know, the only movie that I would care about if they did this. A 1980s set Justice League International movie. Yeah. Come on. Do it in the style of like Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, a bunch of, I mean, because you don't need Superman. You don't need Batman, right? No. You, you get Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. throw in Guy Gardner. Um, was it Fire and Ice? Is that what their yeah. names were? Yeah. I mean, you're. That's a fun there. team. That That's it right there. You you have your movie. And that could have you know, explained how, you know, Wonder Woman throughout the time still was fighting the good fight and she there were still other people and still the other heroes around. Yeah, and you they can have, have her come in like if that. you want, whatever, you know? Oh, God. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge missed opportunity. This is what they should have announced today instead of Wonder Woman 3. Can you imagine how happy people would be? That would be, you know what, that would be taking a risk. <laughs> it would be, it would be, but, oh well. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, Wonder Woman 3, it's happening. Um, Uh Now, one of the interesting things in this press release was like a statement by Toby Emmerich, who like runs the the film department over at Warner Brothers. And they say, he says something along the lines of, we're very happy to uh, conclude the Wonder Woman theatrical trilogy as intended. Oh, boy. You know, so for one thing, they're saying part three is the end, right? But Mm. another thing they're saying, like, you know, one of the the things we were going to talk about this week was a statement from Patty Jenkins in some interview where she was, I mean, she was rather critical about this whole Warner Brothers HBO Max deal she and was. she's she's always been a huge proponent of seeing movies in theaters. And she said in this interview, like, I don't know if I would come back for Wonder Woman 3 if there wasn't a theatrical model in place. Hmm. So she must have, you know, put that somewhere in this contract and said, like, we're going to be in theaters, you know. All like, right. This is going to happen. So... Okay, but you know there may be a theatrical release, but I'm not exactly sure what the, you know how it's going to go based on the the reception of this film, right? That that play that's going to play a large role into it, right? Yeah, and and also like, well, what were the viewing? I mean, because that was the other big piece of this whole you know press release, which is like mm-hmm. Wonder Woman 1984 is a huge success, you know, and talking about how. According to them, half the people with HBO Max watched it on Friday. Yeah, uh, and how there was three, there were three times as many people watching stuff on HBO Max on Friday than had been like ever in in mm-hmm. the app's history or whatever. But then also, and this is where I'm confused. Um, they say that it is the most successful opening weekend. At a box at the box office in America since the pandemic began, they say it made like sixteen million dollars at the box office, mm-hmm. which is fine. Except they say it's the most successful, and yet Tenet apparently made twenty million when it opened. But it's the same studio, and here's the other thing: Warner Brothers with both Tenet and Wonder Woman, they haven't officially released their numbers for either. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, it seems like it did well at the box office. I mean, and that's with, you know, all of California, New York, Chicago, mm. all gone. So, I mean, I guess that's good. I guess that means it did well at the box office. I, I guess. But, you know, it might have done well at the box office, but the the critical, the reception, the fan reception is, is when it's divided, it's not helpful. That's true. And, and it's divided it does, at best. It does seem like there is a lot more. And this doesn't seem to be like a DC versus Marvel thing, which is no. you know, what you always get. Like, this is, yeah, people really don't like this movie. Yeah. But it's not going to stop them from making another one. That's true, apparently. Yeah. All right. Oh, well. So, um, uh, just one other thing, just because I was looking at it, at whatever, just for the sake of whatever, you know, the year's now over. 
well, maybe you know this off the top of your head, but what do you think is the number one movie at the box office for the year 2020? Birds of Prey, right? No, no. I, it's That's what I would have, like if someone would have told me like, this is how the year is playing out, what's number one? I would have said Birds of Prey, but no, it's Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, another story that came out, well, another, I guess, press release that came out uh, earlier in the week was from Warner Brothers saying that uh, they're planning on releasing movies in theaters in 2023. And, you know, they did not say that these are coming to HBO Max. They just said in theaters. They set three release dates. Uh, Mm -hmm. On June 23rd, 2023, we're getting Furiosa, the prequel to Mad Max Fury Road, uh, which George Miller is directing, starring Anya Taylor-Joy as Furiosa. And then on July 21st, we're getting Coyote versus Acme, which is a live-action animated hybrid by Dave Green, the guy who did the second of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Okay. And uh, that, well, we'll get get to that in a second. The, The third one is The Color Purple, which is a musical version of of the, the story. And that's coming out on December 20th, 2023. That one's directed by Blitz Bazawule, who he hasn't done much, but he uh, was one of the directors on black is King, the uh, okay. Beyonce thing. Yeah. So, so those three movies are coming out supposedly in theaters, but all of these look interesting in one way or another. I mean, Furiosa, obviously. Like, are you a, a Fury Road fan or a Mad Max fan? Uh, I like I like Fury Road, so that's that's definitely interesting. Yeah, and and you know, Anya Taylor Joy, I think you know that that seems like pretty good casting. She's mm-hmm. kind of all over the place now, but yeah, just George Miller being able to return to that world and and Furiosa uh, to me was like the most. In, I mean, she was basically the main character in that movie, even though it was mm-hmm. a Mad Max movie. And exactly. I, that's that movie was so good. So yeah, I, I can't wait for that one. Now, this Coyote versus Acme movie, apparently it's written and produced by James Gunn. Hmm. So that's kind of a an interesting... This guy is apparently officially back in the fold because like now he has all these projects after being in the doghouse for a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that that was one of those things where as soon as Disney fired him. They were like, oh, "We shouldn't have done that." You know, that was mm-hmm. that was a mistake. But you know, yes, he's definitely back. So, wow, lots and lots of stuff coming from him. And then the color purple that was previously announced, um, but I, I forget it was there like a oh there was a, a like a Broadway musical. Yeah, I've seen it on Broadway. Okay, so so it's basically that. You, mm-hmm. you said you saw it. Yeah, I've seen it on Broadway. What did you think? Uh, it was good. I liked it better than uh, the than the film. Okay, I, I enjoyed it more than I did the film. Yeah i I read the book and I I saw the movie and I, I thought the book was definitely better than the movie. Um, but I, I'm I'm curious to see what the they would do with it as a musical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's if it's if it's like the stage show, if it, if they do essentially what they did with you know with other other musical adaptations of Broadway shows, then I think it'll be fine because the, you know, you have a lot of, because a lot of the staging that they do is, is, it's very similar. So, you know, just the sets are a little bit bigger and they could be a little bit more extravagant, but I yeah. think, um, I think it's gonna, it's gonna definitely matter who they cast and who is going to be, you know, what voices are going to be, you know, singing the parts that's yeah. going to, that's definitely going to matter, uh, especially, you know, for, for this musical in particular, uh, because it's, you know, you know, it's a, it's a black production, right. And so the, the sound of it has to be, has to, has to match and it has mm-hmm. to, it has to, it has to work. So I think that's going to be, that's going to play a huge role in, in its success. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something to look forward to three years from now. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this Wonder Woman three, it's got to be years and years off because I mean they just announced that Jenkins is doing that 
um, yeah. Star Wars movie, which comes out in 2023. And then there's the Cleopatra thing, which which she's doing with Gal Gadot, which who knows what's going to happen with that, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And then Wonder Woman 3. So could be a few years. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe some time for them to... Should be. To fix some stuff. So. Yes. <laughs> so MGM is a studio which, you know, has probably been suffering more than, than most during the pandemic because they don't have a streaming service to throw their stuff on. And, you know, this is, I don't you know, it's, I guess given them some financial hardship and they're mm-hmm. looking to sell the studio. Um, nobody knows who might buy it. It's quite possible and maybe even likely, as I understand it, that it's not going to be like, bought up by Disney or something like that, but it would be purchased by like a group of investors who would, you know, whatever. So maybe to the consumer, there wouldn't really be any change that we see, but it could end up at like Apple or Amazon or something like that. Yeah. I, I, at the the way things are going, I would assume that some, some company like that is going to, is going to swoop in so that way they can have all the rights to that stuff. So that way it can be exclusively on one of these things that you have to get a subscription for. Yeah. Right. Cause they do have a good back catalog, you know, with Rocky and, and all of the bond, bond movies, of course, yeah. being their big thing. Yeah. And they've got also one of the things that says, you know, that, that they're saying what makes them a nice pickup for someone is that, they have no time to die, like in the can, just ready mm-hmm. to go, you know. And that movie, uh, it's bounced around, you know, release dates. It was the very first movie to to move their release date to get away from the pandemic, yeah. um, and then they moved it again. So now it's coming out in April, supposedly. Okay. And the reason why it's not on a streaming service is because they tried selling it to, I think, Apple and. I want to say someone else and the amount that they were asking for was like $300 million or something like that yeah. for like a, a, I forget, it was like a six month run or something like they wouldn't even oh, own wow. it. You know, like, and Amazon and Apple or whoever it was, were just like, you know, no, that's too expensive. You know, yeah. You can't, you can't do that. You know? So who knows, who knows what it means? Maybe it means nothing, but uh, you know, could mean something. Yeah, we'll see. But I'm sh- I'm sh- I'm sure at some point we're going to hear about like either some new streaming service or one that's already existing that people either have already or we're thinking about getting one of those that that needs to be competitive will swoop in at some point and make a desperate play. Yeah, I mean it seems like Apple would be a likely target. You know, mm-hmm. they've kind of they haven't really had much all things considered it feels like yeah. they kind of botched that but exactly yeah and so you kind of have to look for whatever streaming service that does not have a huge draw of some kind mm-hmm. we shall see okay so did you see the halloween sequel that came out a couple of years ago halloween they just called it halloween no. yes i did yeah um that was produced by by blumhouse jason yeah. blum and directed by david gordon green Kind mm-hmm. of a, an interesting fit, but what did, what did you think about that? I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, it, it was kind of interesting how they basically skipped over all the sequels and made this like yeah. Halloween 2 again, uh-huh. which is the second time that second they've done time. that now. Yes. Because <laughs> there was Halloween H2O back in, uh-huh. the, back in the day. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, obviously it... it did really well and they've got a a second one which has already been shot and is ready to go for next October and a third one to to follow the year after that. Uh, But Blum and and Green, you know, I guess they found their thing, you know, and now they're going to do essentially the same thing that they did with Halloween, but now with The Exorcist. Okay. Are you an Exorcist fan? Um, Not really. Uh, Now... And it's not because like I didn't like the movies of The Exorcist that I've seen because mm-hmm. I, I like the, the the couple that I've seen like I liked, but it's not just it's not wasn't my cup of tea. So it's just not like something I'm gonna go out of my way to be like to watch multiple times. It's more like you know it's Halloween. Let's watch a fun, scary movie type of deal for me. 
Yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same way. You know, um, when they did Exorcist, the version you've never seen, you know, and yeah. they released it in theaters, everyone was going crazy over this thing. And I'm like, I guess I should finally see The Exorcist. But people were like, it's so scary. Like, you don't want to, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I was like, okay. You know, it was Halloween and I went to the Fine Arts Theater, which in itself is a terrifying experience downtown <laughs> in Chicago. It no longer exists. But I'm like, this will be an ideal situation. But at the same time, I was like, am I going to be too scared to watch this movie? <laughs> and like, I don't get scared by movies, but like just this, I don't know. It was built up so much. And then I watched it and I was kind of like, that's it. Like, this isn't, yeah. I don't. I can't, you know, I mean, like, stuff that I find scary is, like, Silence of the Lambs or something like that, where it's like, Uh this is a real thing. that, Like, there could be, you know, people out there who want to, you know, eat you or remove your skin to make a a person suit or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? But, like, you say, like, oh, Exorcist. I mean, it really feels to me like watching, like, freaking Harry Potter where, like, yeah. They're, they're yelling at each other and pointing their wands until one of them does something magically to whatever, you know, like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't care less about that, you know, <laughs> and, and, and like this, it's like, you know, there's a girl on a bed who's getting like water, you know, tossed on her and they're like yes. chanting and everything. And then eventually it works or whatever. It's like, I'm sorry, this is boring. This is just yeah. whatever. I mean, it's a well-made movie. It's good. Whatever. You know, but now we're getting more of them. So, yep, that's cool. <laughs> cool. I don't know. I, I, I would. Did you ever see like the they did they did like a whole like Richard Donner cut sort of thing for that prequel? Um, I didn't see it, but I remember. I th- I remember thinking that I wanted to see it, and I think I was just like, I think I'll go see that, but then I just never did. Right, right. They because because they they hired Paul Schrader to do a prequel. They saw it. They were like, oh, no, 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 no. So then they brought in Rennie Harlan, the director of Deep Blue Sea and uh, Die Hard mm-hmm. 2, to come in and, and, and remake it or whatever. Essentially, yeah. they reshot a ton of stuff. They no, I like those it. two films. Uh, those are great, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the version that, that they released was terrible. So then, yeah. like a year later, they let Schrader go back and redo it and then they essentially released it in like art houses and it was from what i understand i never saw his version but they say it was still bad but it was way better than what they had originally released but i don't know i mean it it seems like this is kind of another situation where like aside from exorcist 3 like people really don't like everything that has come after the original so Mm -hmm. now this is their chance to to do something new. I, I don't know. I mean, are they going to erase all the, the, the sequels? Who knows? Uh, you know, know, there's also that TV show, which was on a few years back, uh, which apparently was good. And which when it started, they were like, Oh look, they're remaking the exorcist. And then like, as you're watching it, like you kind of like get this slow reveal, like, no, it's not a remake. It's a sequel, you know, which is kind of cool. But I imagine that they would ignore that, too. I mean, who knows? Who knows what they're going to do with it? But, yeah. you know, I, I can definitely see how this would be appealing to a studio uh, like Warner Brothers or whatever who mm-hmm. sees what they this team did with Halloween and then says, okay, do that for us with The Exorcist, you know, another big 70s horror classic. So Yeah. All right, well... Another movie, which I'm sure will be as good as the hype. (laughs) So finally, we have some more information about this book of Boba Fett. You know, I mean, the episode had just aired when we recorded uh, last week. And then uh, the following day, they released, uh, did a press release with all the info, you know, that we were looking for. Sure enough, it is going to be its own thing. It's not going to be season three of Mandalorian. Cool. And as we suspected or knew, you know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau are back as producers. Thank God. Yes. And Ming-Na Wen is, in fact, coming back, you know, which, I mean, was implied by that scene, you know, but it sounds like (laughs) she's going to be, you know, a regular on the show. Yeah. And the big surprise, which just made me so happy, 
Robert Rodriguez is also coming back as an executive producer. That is super dope. You know, he directed the episode where Boba Fett is is introduced, you know, where they have their mm-hmm. the, the the tragedy, I believe is was the name of the episode. Yeah. And his action in that was one of the things which made it so great, you know, mm-hmm. like there was some interview where he was talking about how he saw his job as making Boba Fett as cool as everyone thought he was yes. back in the day when he didn't do anything except stand around. Yeah, that's the, the I think that's the biggest takeaway. So like make him as cool as you thought he was, which is something that like I've had to do like, you know, like <laughs> when when reading certain things it's like this is the show that I thought I was watching. Like if they're making like if there's a comic book of, of something that's, you know, uh good examples like the Power Ranger comics. Like mm-hmm. That is the show that I thought I was watching when I was a little kid. Because yeah. if you go back and right now, like right now, and watch that show, you're just like, "Well, this is garbage." <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, you know, like you see, like you read the comic books, like, "Oh, this is what I thought I was watching," right? And so, you know, with Robert Rodriguez and his his direction on that, and how he, you know, basically did make Boba Fett as cool as we thought he was, and like he was actually doing stuff in the episode that he directed, where oh, yeah. as in, in the movies, he didn't do anything. <laughs> He definitely did not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, even take that away, like even if Rodriguez hadn't directed that episode, which is probably the best episode of the show so far, like mm-hmm. his track record is just phenomenal. I mean, he has the chops from dusk till dawn. That's like one yep. of the best movies ever made. And the action in that is amazing. And then you mm-hmm. look at like Desperado and all that stuff. I love Desperado. Yeah, and in recent years, you know, I mean, he's become sort of a joke. You know, people are like, oh, Robert Rodriguez, look at what he's doing. You know, he he's just likes to do things on the cheap and everything. And, you know, you look at, like, shorts or machete, you know. Which, I love which machete. I, I love machete, yeah. Um, but I can see what people are saying. Like, he he basically got filmmaking to a point where he could do everything himself. And mm-hmm. then by doing that, he lacked like the input of like valuable collaborators like cinematographers and stuff like that who could refine it so that he could you know make it even better but with alita i feel like there was a real shift there i mean what yeah did, did you see alita i did what'd you think i liked it yeah me too i, I, I liked thought it. it was it, awesome and the thing it, here's the thing like what you're saying because what you're saying about him is correct but i think you know, that kind of shows the bias, I guess, towards him in the industry, because if this was another if this was another person that did what he did, right, like and and took the path that he did and that had a little bit, I guess, more cachet or was a bit more fan friendly or if he had his own little like, you know, if he had his own fandom, basically, mm-hmm. like if this were Nolan, right, all the Nolanites would would think that it's the greatest thing ever. And he and they would, would be shouting his name from every single rooftop that they could. Right? Yeah. But since it's Robert Rodriguez and he doesn't have that same cachet, they look down upon it when it's just like, no, he's just doing his, his own way. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Right. And and he, you know, uh, he, he he does things like. You know, he, he likes making kids movies, for example. He had a new yeah, kids no, movie no, come out this week. and Yeah, there's no shame in that. Right. And and that's not what f- fanboys necessarily are looking for. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not good. You know? Yeah. Like the Spy Kids movies, those are really good. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, I'm I'm super excited about this. I really am. And and not to mention the fact that he has done, you know, a lot of stuff in TV. He did that from Dust Till Dawn TV show, which... Yeah. Um, I, I've only seen a couple of episodes of it. I, I don't know why. I think it's just because there's too much stuff to watch, right? Yes. But like he directed like a lot of those himself, and, you know, and wrote a lot of them himself too, and everything. And it's really good and like a really interesting take on the material. Like him adapting himself, it's it's fascinating. So he knows how to do all that stuff. Yep. And. To just say like, yeah, we want you to come in and and do this to make Boba Fett cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Great, I'm He's on board. Your guy. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And, and apparently, this thing has already been shooting and everything like that. So, you know, they say it's coming out December of 2021. Um, yeah, it just can't get here soon enough. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so I guess that's pretty much it for the week. You know, just two other things, if you don't mind me uh, um, just mentioning a couple other things that I saw that are related. Now, 
after watching WW84 and being fairly unsatisfied by it, um, I ended up watching Crisis on Earth X. Okay. And I, I thought it was really good. I don't know. What's the general reaction to that? Crisis on Earth X? Yeah. Oh, people love Crisis on Earth X. I okay. love Crisis on Earth X, except for the ending. Where but they don't get worry. married? Or? Yeah, we will get there on my pot on, on okay. Always Hold On the Arrow, because we have gripes. <laughs> okay. uh, but, right. uh, but no, the, that crossover is one of the best things that they that they did. And I think that was probably the peak of the crossovers in the Arrowverse. I think they, they, they reached their apex there. I mean, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, as I was watching this, I'm like, you know, why am I more satisfied by this crossover from these four shows, which I'm usually just kind of making fun of and, you know, compared to the $200 million. <laughs> Listeners, you, know, when... you don't see this. My hands are up because this has been my, this is what I've been saying yeah. <laughs> about DC on, uh, in film for years now. I was just like, especially like when they were happening in the, in the moment, because when that came out, we had already had Man of Steel. We'd already had, uh, BBS suicide squad and, and I think Justice League at that point, right? Yeah, and I think so, it would have been right around that time. So we'd already had those things. I'm just they, like, they probably came out the same month, actually. That was like yeah, the same I'm, month as Justice League. Yeah, and I'm just like, how is it that the the CW did this better than <laughs> than these big multi million dollar budget uh, movie studios? How is it that they understand this way better than than, than the, the studios do? Yeah. I don't get it because I will take what I got on the small screen. Over what I've gotten on the on the big screen, yeah. in, as far as DC is concerned, every single time at this point. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, <laughs> I did. I, I to did this think point, that yes. I oh, to up to this point here, yeah. I still wouldn't go that far, but um, I, I did think that that this was extremely well done, and um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It might be my favorite thing from the Arrowverse so far. Oh, the crossovers were a game changer yeah, uh, yeah. in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And it, and for a lot of people, it's what kept people watching the shows mm-hmm. is because it be, is because of not only the big crossover, but there were still like little small crossovers that happened yeah. every now and then. Yeah, and so you never know when they're going to show up and you're just exactly. like, hey, you know, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I saw, um, just speaking of like Blumhouse remakes or whatever, um, Last year they remade Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? I uh, I recently saw it. I recently watched it because I was looking. I've been watching, you know, all these different Christmas movies. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know this 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 holiday season. Yeah. and you know some I've rewatched and and revisited for the first time in a long time. Um, especially due to you know the the shout out to the Talk Film Society that stuff. You know, I've been watching rewatching those. Um, but uh, I did rewatch. Black Christmas this this holiday season the the original or the or the new one the new one the new one yeah I I, I had never I didn't see it when it came out because it came mm. and, and went like right away no one saw it and yeah. the, the reviews were were really bad at the time mm. you know and and it was one of those movies where it always looked intriguing to me but whatever and you know I I saw some tweet from someone who was like Black Christmas is a good movie there's a lot of men who don't like that, but they should probably, you know, look at why they don't like it. And that might be a little telling or something like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, that's an interesting take. Let, let's just check this out. And I, I was really, really impressed by this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand, like, if you're a black Christmas purist, you know, yeah, and you're like, oh, God, they, they, because they, they really do. I mean, the adaptation is not. I mean, it's it's a great adaptation in that they're not doing the the original movie again. They're taking all of the elements from the original movie and remixing them into something else. Which I, I just watched the original for the first time two days before I watched this one, and I have to say, mm-hmm. this is a a much better version of that story. They, I agree. They do. They do some stuff at the end with some supernatural elements where you're like, mm, I don't know if that really works tremendously well. But if yeah. it were anything else, like if it were you know something where that had already existed in the first one, you'd just be like, okay, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just the expectation which is a little skewed. You know? Yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. But I thought the movie was 
great. I thought it was fine, yeah, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, and also like mostly like I'm a I'm a big uh, Imogen Poots fan, yeah. Uh, so so I think she's a great uh, great actress. So um, so yeah, so I enjoyed that one, and you know like it, it kind of in a lot of ways kind of remind it had had gave me a Happy Death Day vibes. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And I like I really like both of those. Oh, movies. those movies I really are love awesome. those. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so that's kind of what uh, I think that's kind of what really made me like it because it kind of reminded me of that so no problems with with black christmas for me yeah i I did feel like and i think this is another reason why i didn't see it at the time is they did talk about how the movie was really like chopped up by the studio and like originally Mm -hmm. it was a hard r and they cut it down to get a pg-13 and stuff and you really can feel that in the movie like there's something missing here so you know they need to. They need to do. I mean, ha, they need to have a have a trending hashtag. Yeah, to yeah. A cut. Screw Justice League. Let's get you know the director's cut of Black Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that movie is on HBO Max right now. If you're looking for yeah. something to watch on HBO Max, I would recommend Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and not necessarily WW84, but you know. Yeah, I agree. Whatever. All right, you got anything? Anything else that you saw that you're uh, you know want to recommend? Uh, no, I mean I, I I can't recommend Soul enough. There you go. I I agree. Soul is great. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, plenty of stuff to watch. Even even if uh, some of that stuff was disappointing, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's it's not the 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 end of of movies. There's there's lots and lots and lots of options. So, oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Lance, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at Sir Lance Laster on all of my social medias, and you can find me on the United Federation of Podcasts talking about all the things that make Arrow Arrow on Always Hold On to Arrow. You can find us on Twitter at Do Not Fail Our Pod. All right, and you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website where we do a show called Film Damage, um, where we talk about film projection and Star Trek and time travel. You can also find me uh, and and Lance on Talk Film Society finishing up our TFS The Season podcast where we do double features of Christmas movies. So check that out on TalkFilmSociety.com. All right. I still don't have a, a catchphrase. Uh, I don't know what to say at the end of the episode. What, what, what is, what's like the Daily Planet's uh, slogan? What's that? Does that work? It's got to be something, right? That's a good question. Well, we'll, we'll look. Sure. We'll look. I have to look that. that up. Yeah, I'll look that up. But until then, uh, I guess Happy New Year. Because when we come yeah. back, yeah, yeah, we'll be in twenty twenty one when we come back. That is crazy, <laughs> but in a good way, I think. Yes, let's let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right. Well, until then, uh, yeah, Happy Holidays. Happy New Year, y'all. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.